All right, guys, welcome to the QA. It is the August 2022 edition of the QA for Guns and Tactics magazine. This is the episode where I answer your questions at the end of every month. And just a few episodes ago, we started doing this live. And I do appreciate your patience as I've kind of learned more about the live streaming software, all of the things that are capable uh, with the new app and everything like that. And I'm trying to increase the production quality. So a few of you have said in the past the audio was a little low. So You'll notice I got a new microphone here, and it just so happened to come in my new favorite color. So gray and green, had it custom made. Uh, love it. My name is Dave Tim. Oh, that's not what I wanted. No, that's not it at all. The joys, the joys of live streaming here with all these different cameras and, and stuff like that. Uh, but let me go ahead and take a quick pause to make sure I can fix this okay. And it looks like uh, some of you guys are saying audio is good, which is great. I do appreciate that. All right, let's turn if I can turn this off. I don't know if I can or not. Anyways, the joys. So we're going to go through and uh, hopefully be able to answer your questions. As always, if you guys have comments, you can leave them in the live stream. For those of you guys that are listening after the fact, this is a recorded live show. We do publish it on YouTube as well as wherever you might get your podcasts. So if you want to just listen to the audio, you can check out Guns and Tactics Radio wherever you get your podcasts. But when I am interacting with the viewers, please know that it is a live show. So some of the things might not make sense. And then we also do have email questions that come in. And again, let's uh, see if I can get the email graphic to work, but I don't know if that's going to work either. It might switch cameras. No, of course. There we go. I don't know what is going on with this thing here, but uh, if you want to see your question on the show, the best way is to email us. That email address is the QA at gunsandtactics.com, which is shown on your screen. And uh, Kenny says audio is still low. Let me uh, try to turn it up here just a quick sec. Uh, all right, we are cranked up at max there. Uh, hopefully that should be a little bit better. And when we are publishing this on uh, YouTube, I'll probably gain it up just a little bit because I'll have the edited file. But that's that's as loud as I can get it. So hopefully it works out well for you, uh, Kenny. And we'll go from there. So we'll start with uh, answering our questions. Before we get into that, we'll probably start with a little bit of channel news. I'll give you guys a little bit of mail call preview. I did get some stuff in since the last month, and I kind of give you guys a, a preview of what might be upcoming. And if you have any feedback or questions or anything like that, I always love to hear about that as well. So I uh, do appreciate all of uh, your supporters. I really do think of the QA. You guys are really kind of, you know, kind of like my uh, inner circle, and you guys are the loyal viewers. So if you do want to support the show, the best way is through our Patreon network. And as of today, I just made a Patreon supporters-only Facebook group. So if you support the channel via Patreon, which really does help us out, I know Patreon takes a little bit, but that is what I really want to try to grow. Uh, for people who ask, hey, how can I support the channel? That would be awesome. Any different level, we have it ranging from literally a dollar on up. And I don't have a ton of all sorts of benefits yet as it's just starting out. But right now there is a Patreon-only Facebook group. We'll probably do some Patreon supporter-only uh, you know, live episodes where you guys get to interact with me a little bit more. 
and you know kind of directly communicate and then uh, we'll have some exclusive giveaways now once we do hit 100,000 subscribers we are going to do a 100k giveaway and we're going to have a lot of cool prizes that I can't necessarily talk about but they're going to be some really cool stuff if you know what I mean and Patreon supporters get extra entries into the 100k giveaway more details on that will be coming shortly but once we hit that 100k we'll make the announcement you'll have to sign up with your email address we recommend liking and supporting the sponsors and then like i said patreon supporters do get um an extra entry or whatever so that is pretty cool um yeah everyone else is saying audio is good uh dave david you are the only one who says you might need to check the gain settings and i'm looking at the graph on the computer and it it's peaking so i'm not sure what it is i'll uh I'll maybe see if it's another setting in Ecamm, but right now it looks like on my end it's going okay. So uh, I'll, I'll do some further checking in that. We can do some more research. All right. Uh, let's take a look here at our first supporter, which is TriggerCon. If you guys have not heard of Trigger. Like it is just more than a gun show and we need to, there we go, switch cameras. Uh, but they're going to be live fire demos. There is pistol ranges, rifle ranges, suppressor ranges. Uh, it is absolutely a, a wonderful event and it's open to the public. I'm going to be there. So if you're heading down to Kansas to check out, there's over 70 exhibitors. Make sure you find me. I'm going to have some exclusive swag. So if you see me and Dave, please, if I'm recording, like just wait a second, but I'll have a pocket full of patches and uh, I would love to, uh, Love to meet our viewers or whatever. So please, if you're going to TriggerCon, check it out. You can check the webpage below. And once this does go live on YouTube, there will be you know links in the description below uh, where to register, things like that. There's going to be a really cool VIP party with a ton of cool prizes. Rainier is the big mastermind and sponsor behind TriggerCon. But like I said, 70 exhibitors as of right now, and that number is continuing to go up. Some, some of my favorite companies are going to be there with their favorite products. So I'm really excited. Hopefully, you guys can make TriggerCon um a reality for you guys as well. So that is that. Now, Lucky Shot is supporting this episode of the QA. They are supplying the prize. So I do thank Lucky Shot for that. And with that said, we're going to get into our comments, or excuse me, our questions, which are submitted via email. Again, that email address is the QA at gunsandtactics.com. If you want to see your question, make it to a future episode if you can't make it live. Uh, otherwise, if you have a question, go ahead and leave it in the comment section and we will post them up on there. So that is with that. Now with this, I think I can add them to the show. Yeah, Matthew replied five by five, which is yes, my signature drill. So Matthew, were you in a class? Or please remind me, uh, your name doesn't exactly ring a bell, but my memory is getting crappier as I get older. So let me know in the comment section if uh, you were in a class and you shot the five by five. And we also have Dustin, how y'all doing this evening? Well, with a y'all, you got to be from somewhere southern. I'm from Minnesota. We usually just say, hey, you, you betcha, there, that kind of thing. All right, and uh, Kenny says, viewing on an iPad with external speaker, it's all the way cranked up. So I don't know, like I said, I don't know what the deal is. I have a cool new microphone now, unless I really talk into it. But I don't think that's very good either. Before we get into our questions, I am going to go ahead and crack the beverage of the day, which is Minnesota's own 
1919 root beer hashtag not sponsored but if you guys are looking for a really good root beer 1919 and thanks to covid they actually started canning it which is awesome it used to be available in the keg only and i gotta thank dustin for introducing me to this yeti can cooler thing i'll be honest guys i thought some of yeti's stuff was kind of overrated overpriced but this can cooler actually does work really good at keeping beverages cold uh it, yeah they're not cheap but it is a pretty nice can cooler so uh, anyways, uh, Yeti, speaking of Yeti, I got one more item that I got in the mail. I will have again, a link to the Yeti. If you wanted to purchase your can cooler or what the other stuff we'll be talking about. And it does help out the channel. It is, they all are affiliate links. So I do appreciate all that. Five by five can be a reception report. Oh, all right. Well, what does that mean? Five by five is a reception report. Good strength, uh, signal strength and quality. Good deal. Well, I'm I'm happy then because I actually have a shooting drill that I teach in my classes called the five by five. So that's what I thought uh, you were talking about. So Dustin says he's from Virginia. Uh, I do have Bill. Hey, Dave, what's going on, Bill? Good to see you. And I think uh, you made a comment in my Holosun video the other day, too. So that was kind of cool about the, the EPS, which I'll talk about here once we get to mail call. So, yeah. Uh, so real quick, let's go through mail call. What do I have kind of upcoming? What did I just get in the mail? And I don't have a way to zoom in, unfortunately, guys. I, I don't have a second camera for the QA streams. I'm working on that. But I did get the new Holosun uh, EPS and EPS Carry. And these are their new closed emitters. And they use a 507K or a Shield RMS C footprint. But they have two top screws that mount on there, which is really cool, as compared to the 509, which uses like a mini Picatinny-style clamp. It has a cross bolt with a recoil lug in the top for the 509. I love the 509. It's a great optic. However, it's not quite perfect. There is a slight magnification to the 509, but they are pretty dang durable. They hold up really well. If you haven't watched my Staccato Basic User Guide uh, video, I kind of beat the snot. That's, that's an exaggeration. I threw it around a little bit, and it was not nice to the 509, and it held up great. But I'm really excited about these new little EPS. They're basically like a 509, but smaller. So the EPS, uh, I'm going to throw on probably a Glock 19. 19 and the EPS carry I'm going to throw on a Glock 43X MOS and I did have to modify the posts a little bit I'll probably do a separate video on that so I do uh, I do like the EPS carries now not pictured is also the new Holosun PID weapon mounted light right now it's attached to a firearm and YouTube policy prohibits me from displaying firearms in the live stream so I can't do that but it is actually a pretty good uh, light I was really impressed I did some beam testing yesterday comparing it to the Streamlight TLR1 HL the Surefire X300 Ultra and the Modlite PL350 man all keeping track of all these model names is kind of a kind of a chore these days but anyways I would say as far as beam and throw the Holosun PID was second place only to the Modlite which has its own shortcomings the Modlite does but the beam and the throw, it was better than the Surefire X300U and the TLR1HL, and everything had fresh batteries. So it's a, a pretty fair comparison. And I like the Surefire, don't get me wrong, but it's a very flood uh, pistol light. So that just is what it is. All right, let's uh, real quick check on comments. This is from Kenny. By the way, your video on co-witness was a game changer. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. I'm going to take some notes on what videos to put in a card. Um, and that kind of thing for the future. So when I do publish this on YouTube, uh, I know kind of what to annotate and add to cards. So I super appreciate that. So I'm just making a note at uh, 14, 18 is time, local time, co-witness. And we have Yeti and Holosun 
2011. All right. Let's take a look at Scott says, have you used the cloud defensive rain 2.0? Well, my man, I had a video on that very topic. It's a first look video on the cloud rain 2.0. You should check it out. Um, I will try to put a link in the description as well of mentioned videos. I can't put a whole bunch of cards, which are those things that you click up top. And plus, I don't want you to click away from the video. But yes, I have used the Cloud Defensive Rain 2.0. It's a very nice and light. I think the switch is the weak point of it, That uh, t the tape switch that it comes with. I prefer a push button. And I know a few other people have had issues with that. I haven't had issues with mine yet. But yeah, I do have a first look video on the uh, Cloud Rain 2.0. So yeah, check that out on the channel after this is done. And uh, Kenny, I'm change your outlook. I'm glad to hear that, man. I really, really am. All right. Right now we have about 20-ish, 25-ish people watching live with us, which is great. And typically we get anywhere from one to 2,000 views. Now, if you are watching this and you find it valuable, again, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Or you can do a super chat or super thanks on the channel. And that's just basically like a tip jar and it goes into our monthly uh, YouTube ad revenue income. So I do appreciate any support you guys can do. I am doing this full time now. So uh, I do appreciate all of that. All right. And if you guys do a super chat or super thanks or whatever, please leave a comment so I can make sure that I give you guys a shout out and credit. Let's get right started with our questions. And uh, evidently... There we go. Now you can see me in the video, which, I, again, I don't know why uh, the whole channel thing is not working. So it, it's just goofy. Uh, but anyways, why are there so few red dot manufacturers making green dots instead of red? Many of those uh, of us who suffer with astigmatisms see a red dot as a cluster rather than a true dot. Holosun is the only one that offers both. And truth be told, Holosun also offers an amber as well. I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, but it's not very common. It's not very out there. Ah, so do I think other manufacturers will take the hint? Maybe, but the reality is probably not anytime soon. Holosun is making green and red. And when I was talking to some of the engineering people at Holosun, their green LEDs, uh, at least in the SCS, it was actually more efficient than the red, which is why the green was released first in the SCS versus uh, the red. I don't have an SCS loose. It's on, like I said, a firearm, and I can't show that on YouTube. Uh, so I think maybe some will come. Uh, like, it doesn't surprise me that the other big red dot company who makes, like, green reticles in their ACOGs, why don't they make a green RMR? Maybe they will. Who knows? Uh, oh, I'll just Trigicon, for example. So maybe someday. But, uh, yeah, so, Paul, I don't know. But the reality is right now, man, Holosun is, like, the standard in pistol red dots. They are nimble as a company, so that means they can respond quick to the market. I mean, like, a perfect example is the EPS carry and the EPS here. Um it is totally awesome, and I, they're just doing right stuff. Even their 508, which is what I've got here, their RMR killer. Like I, I, I don't say that lightly. I mean it. I think it's an RMR killer. I think this is better than the RMR. So I would just buy Holosun, and if you like green, which I like green, I go back and forth, uh, I would just do this. So, yeah, and Scott um, definitely would have watched that video but didn't receive a notification. No worries, man. I know YouTube is kind of uh, bad at that, and – I totally get it. I'm just giving you a hard time. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to have you uh, check that out. Uh, Dustin also asked if I watch a or if I use a Yeti cooler and I don't. Uh, I actually have a Pelican because Pelican came in green, neon green and gray. So I bought the Pelican cooler. Uh, but uh, I wouldn't mind checking out a Yeti. Actually, a friend of mine has a Yeti and it's a really nice cooler. Are they are they cheap? Uh, no, but are they really nice? Of course, as is every 300 plus dollar cooler. So I did have another cooler company reach out to me, Orca. 
uh, if you guys are familiar with them. And they wanted me to check out one of their coolers. So I might be doing a video on that. That would be in like the off the range segment. So speaking of off the range, another mail call item is I did purchase this. And this is luggage from Yeti. This is their carry-on size. However, I also did get the full size as well. I travel a ton for video and classes and teaching. Uh, I'm flying at least probably four flights a month between like layovers and everything like that. So that's a lot of opportunity for baggage handlers to really abuse the snot out of my luggage. So I was in the market for some professional grade luggage and I ultimately I went with the Yeti. Now, is it perfect? No, there's some things I, I wish were better right off the bat. Number one is the warranty. It's only a three-year warranty and I wanna say this retails for 350 bucks for the carry-on and the full size was like 400. So like a set for the luggage is $800 and it should have a 10-year warranty for $800 luggage. Uh, I was looking at a pro line of luggage that's used by pilots and flight crews and stuff like that. Uh, it's called like Travel Pro or Aviation Pro. However, everything was out of stock. So, and I needed something as uh, I'm starting, I took a little bit of time away from traveling over the summer, but I'm gonna start traveling now pretty heavy. I think I have six flights scheduled for September alone. So I needed some luggage that would hold up. So I'm gonna do a more of a long-term review on the Yeti luggage to see if it's worth it and uh, go from there. But so far, right off the bat, the materials and everything else are super nice. Like this is a, it's, it's really well-built luggage, but it should be for the price, right? So that's coming up. It'll probably be an off the range review in the off the range playlist on our YouTube channel. All right, and let's see, let's just check notifications. Uh, David reported that he did get the notification for the live stream. Uh, Jay Eggers, any interest in the 365X macro? Well, yeah, of course, I would love to get one, but I'll be upfront with you. I am not cool enough or a big enough channel for SIG to send me anything. So anything SIG that I am reviewing, it's probably gonna be because I either got it loaned from, to me from a student, a customer, or a dealer, uh, and I, but I don't get samples or anything like that from SIG. I'm hoping maybe once I hit 100K, I can make the radar of some of these bigger channels and get some stuff. But uh, I absolutely would love to check out a 365X macro. I actually just picked up uh, my first SIG in a long time. Uh, my, one of my very first duty guns was a 226. So I do have a long history with SIG. And I always uh, said they were going to come out with this aluminum frame 320. It was called like the D something. It was like on their German site for a while. And it had a kind of a weird trigger guard, but the grip looked really cool. And they never ended up doing that. Uh, I don't think they ever made that product. So they came out with the AXG, which is their now aluminum frame 320. And they did pick up one of those. And I got to say, that's a pretty nice pistol. So yes, I would love to check out the 365X macro. Hopefully I can sometime soon. Dustin, you need to fly, man. It's, well, I hate flying. So I, <laughs> I'm saying that with a smile on my face. I don't like the traveling part of traveling. I like the getting there and doing stuff and meeting people and hanging out, but I hate the flying and the hustle and the bustle and getting in and out of the airports. And it's just a pain, especially when you're flying with firearms. Uh, I've learned a lot of tricks over that. So I did a quick tip video on that on a Tuesday, but I'm probably going to do a more focused video on flying with firearms in the future. But again, any video requests that you guys have, let me know. I definitely want to hear from you. All right. I think uh, that'll bring us to uh, some more questions. So let's go ahead and pull up uh, this guy here and... Let me add in, I don't know why it's not working, guys. I apologize. So uh, I wish uh, this was working better. It's supposed to kind of preview preview in a little bit. But this is from Russell. During your time in law enforcement, when you had to get physical with a perp, I, uh, I kind of like that, with a perp. Sorry, just making me laugh a little bit. I'm not interested, or uh, what were the physical confrontations like? Not interested in the fact, tactical factors, 
I'm interested in how much force, how much speed overcoming uh, the opposing force, how fit should people be when fighting at close range. Uh, if I recall you incorrectly, you weren't. No, I was. So, yeah, uh, I was a cop for 20 years, and I just uh, resigned uh, to basically do this full-time, do training and video full-time, and I absolutely am loving it. It's been a heck of a ride this summer, and uh, maybe I'll do another video about life after law enforcement. I was actually talking to another content creator who runs a YouTube channel. He left law enforcement to pursue his business full-time, so I'd love to collaborate with him and do a life after law enforcement type video for those of you guys that are looking to transition careers out of military law enforcement public service whatever but as far as how much uh force it really varied i've been in a, a few tussles in my career and for the most part i worked as a small town street cop so it's not like i'm dealing with gangbangers and drive-by shootings every day there wasn't bank robberies and car chases in my small town but that being said yeah we'd have to get physical with people we'd have to arrest and sometimes it would just depend now, for a long time, I was a much bigger guy, and I wasn't in as good a shape. And yeah, did it help hold me back? And sure, I was able to use my weight as an advantage, but at the same time, I was still overweight for a good amount of my career. Um, having kids, the career, various things motivated me to try to lose weight, get healthier. So I'd lose some, I'd struggle with my weight. And if you guys even watch some of the older videos on the channel or my old channel, you know that I was a heavier set guy. And uh, it finally, you know, finally things came together where I was able to lose weight and for the most part, maintain it and try to get in a better level of health. But yeah, I mean, there's times when you had to be quick. Uh, I was a use of force instructor, so I tried to study as much as I could, a little bit of martial arts, a little bit of jujitsu, not nearly as much as I should have or wanted to or still want to. But some of those things, I think, do make a difference, and as well as being confident from, uh, you know, basically your abilities. And so many cops these days are not good at de-escalating or talking, and I was really skilled as a communicator, so I was able to talk my ways out of a lot of situations. Um, got a few you know, attaboys along the way for being able to talk my way out of certain situations, some close calls, you know, that I was able to kind of talk my way through. And that's just kind of part of it. So I do miss that part of it. I feel like, uh, you know, that part of the job, I feel like I was a pretty good, you know, street cop. And now I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not utilizing those skills, but that's just the way it is. But yeah, as far as, uh, you know, overcoming force. Uh, I used to wrestle a little bit in high school, so I would take advantage of some of that. And, you know, sometimes when it's time to go, you have to commit, you know, there's so much hesitation and things like that, that some ways uh, go from there. So now we mainly use nice words and hugs. Yes. Yeah, so, so true, Bill. Very, very true. Bill is also uh, a uh, local viewer. I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to put away too much info for you there. So Dustin, real quick, made a comment. What caliber handgun did I carry on duty? My last duty gun was a Staccato P2011 because Staccatos are the best. Don't Okay, I'm a little biased because I'm supposed to say that because I'm a part of Staccato's blue team. Full disclosure. My last duty gun, however, was a Staccato P2011 in 9mm. Prior to that, it was a Glock 17 uh, Gen 5 MOS in 9mm with an RMR. Prior to that, it was a Glock 17. Prior to that... I want to say it was a Glock uh, 2240 cal with this particular agency, my last agency. Prior to that, I carried a Sig 9, a Sig 45, a Glock 45, a Beretta 92 way back in the day with one of my other agencies. So, yeah, I, I've carried a few little things. So, a few little things. Uh, Julio says, hello from Charlotte. Well, hello right back at you. Thanks for tuning in live. I appreciate it. All right, let's check in with another question. Uh, seeing that we don't have any other comment questions, let me just uh, see here. And... Let me try to fix. There we go. Uh, this is from Ryan. I'm a fairly new Red Dot user. First gun with an RMR. It's a SIG 320. Uh, recently had to qualify. Found my battery died on the RMR. Not having a battery available weren't as accurate. The group rose further away. Uh, 
I was up to 25 yards. Is this typical with using iron sights with an RMR attached? What can be done to alleviate this issue? I know it was not a shooter error as I had my instructor shoot it as well and we had the same issue. So as far as when it comes to zeroing a handgun with just iron sights is you can change the height of the front sight to adjust for height. But the first step would be are you able to shoot as good of a group with your red dot with your irons? Now, I know you said it's not you. You had your instructor shoot it as well. But the reality is the target stays the same. The target size is the same. The ammo is the same. The gun is the same. The only thing is different is the sight system. So what we're focusing on, i.e. the target when we're using a red dot, i.e. the front sight when we're using sights. But otherwise, everything else is the same. Are you able to shoot the same point of aim, point of impact, and the same group size? If not you might not be as good with iron sights as you are with the red dot. And that's one of the advantages of a red dot on your handgun is it makes the gun, in my opinion, easier to shoot because we're getting more information. We're seeing all that movement. We're focused on the target. There's a whole lot more into it than that. But uh, in my opinion, red dot handguns are superior for a whole variety of reasons. But that would be the first question is, are you able to shoot the same group, size, accuracy, point of aim, point of impact at, say, 10 yards? If so then that's when we can start further diagnosing if it's a shooter issue or if it's a sight issue where we need to make an adjustment in the front sight height to adjust the point of aim point of impact. But yes, some suppressor sights, because they sit higher up on the gun, change the point of aim point of impact versus traditional sight. A lot of people just throw on a set of suppressor sights for their make and model of gun without taking into account what height sights they need. So Dawson Precision, for example, love their sights. I have a bunch of their sights in the parts bin and I use their sights on a ton of different guns. Uh, they make different height sights. They have a sight height calculator. So if you give them a uh, pistol mount, you know, say, or uh, excuse me, if you give them your pistol, your point of aim, point of impact, whatever, with current sights, they will tell you what you need to do to adjust. And then they also offer a customer service guarantee as well. So I love Dawson Precision for that. All right. This one is, um, seriously, what is the deal with, there we go. Uh, this is from Art. Really appreciate the LPVO 1 to 10 video. Uh, thank you very much for watching that, Art. I'm just going to make a note of that so I can link it in the description below when this goes on YouTube. Learned a great deal about each. Currently have the Attaball. Really enjoy it. But I also see I want to stretch my legs in the 308. I think a 5 to 25 might be the go-to. What are your three-tier recommendations? So I'm assuming it's a, a price. I really want to say there's a big difference with you being fully dedicated to putting the videos out and you love Quick Tip Tuesdays. By the way, if you're not watching on Tuesdays, most Tuesdays I have a two-minute Quick Tip. So that's uh, good there. Um, as far as my tier 5 to 25s go, there's a lot out there. And I would say, obviously, we're looking at price, but it's not a 5 to 25, but I have a 4.5 to 30 from Tracked. I did a video on that, which I really, really like. I'm just making a note about that because I'll put that in the description if you haven't watched my video on that. Super nice scope, a lot going on, amazing glass, good um, construction, turrets. Everything about that scope is awesome. So that's from Tracked Optics, and that would be on the higher end. However, they're priced direct-to-consumer, so their pricing is actually really good. I want to say it's uh, right around or just under $2,000, and that scope from a lot of other companies would be mid-2,000s to $3,000. So that's a phenomenal scope. Moving down, uh, I would also look at the used market as well. You can save some money there. Uh, looking down, you could look at like the Vortex PST series. They have a variety of magnifications and stuff really good. Um, some Trigicon stuff is also really good, except for Trigicon needs to update their reticles and more first focal plane offerings. 1919 root beer and that Yeti cooler, nice and cold and delicious. Uh, Loophole Mark V, I really like that, but again, that's kind of a higher end. Uh, and then as we start to trickle down, probably some of the other Vortex stuff would be good. Um, 
Uh, I'm trying to think of what other entry level. I haven't played around with a ton of entry level or kind of sub $1,000 price point scopes in a while. Uh, I've been fortunate to have the budget to get some nicer glass. So I kind of feel like a little bit of a glass snob. I apologize. And I, I, I'm not, I don't mean to be, but um, that's what I'm trying to work on. But uh, is get some more variety of stuff. But yeah, I, I'll have to do some research and maybe a future episode. But shoot me an email and we can talk more. But thank you for the question, Art. Uh, one more from the comment section here. Let's go ahead and take it from Mike. I apologize that the camera thing's not working, guys. Uh, I wish it was. I've been watching as many of your staccato videos as possible. I'll be putting an RMR or CC red dot. I'll mostly be carrying at the range, maybe down the road concealed carry. I noticed you run full-size sights. I was wondering if you had any input if I should go full or compact. Uh, being that you're going to be using a staccato, probably a C2 or something like that, I would just run a full-size sight. What I'm going to be running on my C2 is probably this EPS um, or something similar to it. EPS carry, I'm going to see how the plates kind of line up. But I wouldn't hesitate to get a small closed emitter like this. I mean, it's not like it's a super small gun where I need it super slim. The slide width is the slide width. So if the plate width lines up with the EPS carry, I would have no problem putting an EPS carry on there. Uh, as far as window size, a lot of people say like, oh man, you got to get the biggest window possible because it's easier to find the dot. They're not wrong. Initially, it is easier to find the dot because you will see it quicker. It has a wider uh, funnel of visibility is my term that I use for when I teach red dot stuff. So if you ever hear the term funnel of visibility, that was from me, this guy. But anyways, uh, once you have your presentation down, once you find the dot on your presentation, you're going to find it with a small optic versus a big optic. And it's just going to be there where you don't even see the window or anything like that because you're maintaining your target focus. So I would definitely... Uh, not worry about that. But yeah, probably I would not go with the RMR CC. That's a proprietary footprint. I don't know how long that's going to be around. If you go with an RMR, you have your choice between the Holosun 508, which would be my pick. Uh, if you go with uh, different plate systems, you can get the 509s, you can get the EPSs, all sorts of stuff. But uh, out of those, I dislike the RMR CC the most. It's just, it's a little bit too small. I wish they would have, you know, used a more industry standard footprint. Uh, reality is I think RMR footprint Delta point, fo uh, Delta point Pro footprint, Acro footprint, and then Shield RMSC footprints are probably the four most dominant ones. Even though the Holosun 509 has its own, uh, it wouldn't surprise me someday if Holosun came out with an Acro because more and more are following that Acro, even though they're not quite the exact same. But you have the Aimpoint Acro, the Steiner. Uh, I want to say Swamp Fox is doing one as well now. So I just the way it was. I wish there was an industry standard for mini Picatinny that everybody would just adopt and there would be kind of a universal standard, but that's just me wishful thinking. All right. Any idea when the Holosun EPS carry with the two MOA dot and 30 circle will be out? Um, no. And I apologize because I don't know which size mine even is. Mine might be mine. I think mine is a two with the thing, but I have a sample, so I get it. You know, I got a little early early love um but yeah so this is the two with the 30 circle at least the eps carry and i believe my eps is as well i'll double check here pretty sure yeah but hopefully soon um i'm hearing soon sign up for notifications uh, great places are obviously rainier euro optic you know things like that there's a bunch of them uh, i'll put links to a article web page because I can't put direct links in the description below to our website. That'll have uh, some links to some of this stuff. So good question. All right. This is Dustin. I had a local sheriff's officer knocking on my door looking for somebody, which he knocked on the wrong door. He did not say sorry or nothing. Um, 
Yeah, sometimes cops uh, don't have the best of manners. Uh, cops don't always like to admit when they're wrong. So I apologize if he treated you rudely. He shouldn't have. He should have just said, hey, man, I'm sorry I made a mistake. I've done that numerous times. I uh, even accused people wrongly where I had all the evidence pointing to them. And I've had to say, hey, I apologize. I, I got incorrect info. And, you know, you go from there. And I think you earn a little bit more credit and respect if you can admit when you're wrong. All right. This one is... This one is to another comment. Oh, let me go back to that comment first. Uh, in the pistol market, but I have astigmatism. I've heard the green dots can help. Would you recommend the circle dot or just the circle? So Holosun does have a model with just a circle. I dislike that. Do not get that. If you're watching this and you're getting just the circle, no. Now, where I do think it might be cool is on a shotgun. And if you can pattern that so all of your buckshot out to a certain distance would be within that circle, great. But for precision type work, something like that, you're going to want that dot. Now, I personally prefer just the dot. However, with the holo sounds, you can switch between the dot, the dot, and the halo, or just the halo only. Like I said, I think that'd be kind of cool for a shotgun. Some people prefer the dot and the halo. I like that for night vision shooting because I get more contrast and it's easier for me to see that that is my reticle when I'm shooting passive versus somebody else's laser or maybe my laser or something like that. But generally speaking, I like just the dot. Um, I'm starting to get a small astigmatism. I had my eye appointment last year and he was telling me I was getting one. Uh, I personally still see a little bit of the bloom with the green. So I still see it a little bit. Is the green crisper? I don't know. It's tough to say. But um, I would see if you could try them both. Uh, I like the green, but I think the red in some ways is a little bit brighter, but the green is a little bit more contrasty. I, it's tough to say. It's, uh, it's all personal opinion a little bit, if, if you will, as well. But now uh, this is from uh, Phonix. He was responding to you. If you get the circle dot reticle, you can switch, but I'd recommend trying it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Even if the dot looks like a smear. Yeah, which honestly, some aim points for me kind of look like more of a cluster of grapes than a, a dot. So guys, we're doing awesome. We are about 40 minutes in and we're, uh, we're cooking with gas. I appreciate all the views so far. And uh, let's go back to our email questions. Where were we here? We already answered that one. We already answered that one. That one. All right, this is from Kevin. Kevin, you have a bunch of questions. I'm going to try to get to as many as you can because I do appreciate all your support. Uh, is it okay to make the safety ergonomic and change the overall length of uh, spring because modern practices for the AR to use a safety for the single action? I believe you're asking about cutting the detent spring. Um, and yeah, as long as the safety function checks fine or whatever, I, you know, use proper reason, that kind of thing. Uh, so maybe we have to dive in a little bit more on that. But if you're going to be modifying springs, just make sure that it can still function check. It still has good you know, friction or whatever, because some safeties are obviously a little more stiff than others. But yeah, there are some uh, end plates and some extension plates and set screws and stuff with some of the receivers now that require you to clip a coil or two because that set screw goes further in to the receiver and thus compresses the spring more. What are some key guiding principles that an instructor should focus on for a two-day civilian course or a five-day LD class? based upon zero or negative firearm knowledge by the students? That's a good question. So it partly is going to depend on the type of class, right? If it's a, if it's a true entry-level class in that civilian class, we're probably going to go through the same things that we would in the law enforcement. So safety, fundamental handling, uh, presentation, marksmanship fundamentals, various drills for proficiency, handling of the gun manipulation, marksmanship drills, all that stuff that we're going to go into. Now, a five-day law enforcement class, we might deal a little bit with those same things, but just more on retention, holstering, things like that. Because for a law enforcement officer, a lot of people say, like, you should always look at your holster when you, when you reholster. Well, if I'm tussling with somebody, I might not have the time or ability to look down at my holster. I should be proficient as a cop 
to be able to holster my gun without looking and secure that holster, the gun in the holster rapidly. That's a skill that a law enforcement officer should have. Is there risk anytime you holster your gun without looking at it? Yes, absolutely. Okay, but sometimes risk reward has a balance of a sliding, diminishing return. And sometimes you got to do what you do. Uh, hey, oh, hang on. I just got a comment and blast from the past here. We'll make sure we hop on with you here in just a sec. Uh, so that's a great question there. Does it make more sense to teach the introductory carbine classes with a quality stock weld per the Apple uh, Seed Project, or does it make more sense to float? Uh, in reality, it just kind of depends on what that shooter student is going to be doing. Fundamentals of marksmanship, more points of contact, sure is the better. However, a floating head, if you're going to be using higher optic mounts, maybe night vision or whatever, but that's probably not going to be your entry-level person. I would say if you're starting out and you want to teach somebody to use the stock weld, it's probably easier for them to go to a more upright position later. So it just really kind of depends. And I go back and forth between precision rifle, uh, night vision guns, whatever it might be, and I don't think it's that big of a deal to kind of adjust accordingly once you develop more of those skills in your whole skill set. So great question there. Uh, Kevin, your next series of questions. Let's uh, answer this here. All right. Uh, should an introductory should an introductory carbine class – sorry, the – Screen stuff is kind of blocking it. Should the introductory uh, class bypass instruction on how to use iron sights and an explanation of external ballistics to focus on other concepts, or are those old-school topics useful for intro classes? Uh, honestly, I'm seeing so many ARs. So students show up with entry-level ARs in the intro classes. They don't even have iron sights. So that's a whole other debate is whether someone should have to learn iron sights before they learn how to shoot a red dot. I personally feel that you don't necessarily have to. Should you learn how to shoot with iron sights? Absolutely. Yes, there's no doubt about that. However, does it have to occur right away? Not necessarily, uh, because the dot is giving you so much more information as far as dot movement, gun movement, able to focus on the target. For example, uh, one of the very first handguns I ever shot as a kid uh, at our NRA club was a bullseye gun. It was a old Ruger, I want to say it was a Mark II with a big Tasco soup can red dot. And that was one of the first handguns I shot. And my first question was like, man, how do you get the dot to stop moving? But I was able to later then learn iron sights just fine. So there's a whole other debate on that, but uh, that's a good question. And then when it comes to prone, should one use the belly flop instead of the bent knee? And again, personal preference, sometimes you might not be able to use the bent knee. There might be a wall against you, so I think it's important that you practice both. Uh, you did send a picture of the graphic, but for those of you guys that don't know, laying down, basically flopping down, getting as much behind the gun, maybe even stabilizing your feet. The more mass you can get behind like a precision rifle, per se, is great, and the more flatter you can get some would argue is more ergonomically correct and more fundamentally correct. Now, sometimes with the bent knee, you can tend to raise your body up a little bit and torque things a little bit, but for some people, that's also really more comfortable. So it kind of comes down to the individual. I've shot both, and there are times when I have to kind of shoot bent knee depending on the terrain. Maybe I'm trying to stabilize myself, something like that. So uh, that's another... We can do maybe a positional shooting series. I think that'd be kind of a cool uh, video, but I don't know if it's going to happen anytime soon, but I do like the idea. So I'm making a note of that as well. And let's uh, hop in one more with Kevin. You are one of the very few informed gun people that shows positive education. Well, I appreciate the kind words, but, uh, you know, I try, man. I'm not the only guy out there. I just try to share good info. Uh, degreasing Loctite torque limiting. Yeah, uh, just throwing this out there as an idea for a video. Um, is M-Lock accessories. Truth be told, I did an M-Lock installation video for a client, so a Midwest Industries. I did their M-Lock accessories. Actually, I do a lot of videos for Midwest. Uh, but yes, I would love to do 
a focused M-Lock video. I think that is a great idea. So I'm also making a note of that because I think that would be awesome. All right, got to give a shout out here. Neil Posner, what a blast from the past. Good to hear from you. And I think I saw an email from you, and I can't remember if I lost that in my inbox or if I replied quick or not, but awesome to hear from you, man. Uh, Neil and I worked together back in the Fleet Farm days. I used to be on Fleet Farm's shooting team. I was a brand ambassador for them, a uh, buyer's consultant, if you will, an industry consultant for Fleet Farm, which is a huge uh, chain of sporting goods and outdoor-type farm fleet store in the Midwest. And Neil was a buyer out of the Wisconsin office and a super amazing guy. Took me under his wing uh, when we go to shows when I was new with the company, stuff like that. So awesome to hear from you, Neil. Thank you so much for checking in. I really appreciate that. Uh, let's connect. We'll talk more. And if hopefully I'm ever uh, nearby. I know you're working for a distributor now, but I'm not sure if you're living over in Wisconsin still or working from home, et cetera. But awesome to hear from you, Neil. Thank you. I really appreciate the comment, man. All right. Let's... What advice do you have for dot versus front sight color? Is it better to have a green-yellow sight with a red dot, whatever? Uh, personally, for me, on most of my red dot guns, I have a plain black set of backup sights. Just plain black uh, front, plain black rear. That's just what I rock. Most of the dots now are so reliable that I'm probably never going to need those sights very often. And if I do, it may be because of a washout situation, something like that where I can then still use the bold outline of the black sights. I personally prefer plain black. Number one, they're a little cheaper. Number two, they're simple, they work for me. But uh, Night Fission also has a set of sights with a white cup in the front. And I really wanna check those out because I like that idea because no matter what, you're not gonna confuse you know, the white if you are. Now, as far as dot sight confusion, a lot of people do ask about that. Is the you know sight picture too blurry, stuff like that? The reality is once you get your presentation down with the dot, you are focused on your target. You bring up the gun, you present, and you're just focused. The dots, they are kind of floating, and then the whole gun and optic window is just kind of blurry, kind of you know hanging out right back here. So that's me what I prefer, but great question. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, Bill, you were around for the good old fleet days. That's right. So, yeah, I don't know if you ever got to meet Neil, but he's a super uh, good buyer dude out of Wisconsin. All right, let's see here. Uh, thanks for the advice. Happy to help. And this is Scott. If you were adding a red dot to an ACOG on a carbine, do you prefer the top mount or the 45-degree offset? 45-degree offset. I love them. I did a review on the Arasaka 45-degree offset. I'm making another note here to put that in the show notes uh, when I publish this on YouTube. But basically what I like about that is my magnified optic is here, and all I do is just go whoop, rotate, and the red dot's right there. And I can go back and forth. Now, I run a lot of those 45 degrees with LPVOs. ACOG will be just fine. The downside with the on-top mount is, number one, I have to have a higher uh, chin weld versus a cheek weld is kind of how I describe it. And uh, your sight over bore is more of an issue, whereas that 45-degree offset mount, the sight over bore is really close. The other thing is uh, it can get knocked around a little bit. I've seen some of them get damaged very rarely, uh, whereas that 45 I don't know, it's a little bit more guarded because it's on the side of the rifle. It's not quite as common to get banged around. Believe it or not, for whatever reason, if stuff's going to get banged around on a rifle, it's usually the top. Um, I have a few theories for why, but that's a whole other video topic. But yeah, I would do the Offset 45. I love it. They are awesome. Check out the Arasaka one. Like I said, when this video goes live on uh, or gets published to YouTube, I'll have a link in the description below. But I did a video on the Arasaka one. It's awesome. All right, let's go back to our questions. I forgot where we were at. I probably should keep a tally. Uh, that was Kevin. Oh, and Kevin is also 
going to be sending in some tools that he kind of customized. He made this bolt catch installation tool. I usually use a toothpick as a slave pin, so that's awesome. And uh, then he's also going to send some screwdrivers that he modifies uh, for hollow sun sites, which I'm going to probably drill a hole in and put a lanyard in. All right, this one is from Night Night. All right, let's uh, check in here. I'm trying to get this camera to load here. Sorry, guys. All right, first, I'd like to thank you. Very helpful. I appreciate that, man. Been shooting since uh, five years. Pistol, that being said, very new to the 2011. Question is, what type of dry fire drills would you recommend? New. The thumb safety is awkward, uh, just holstering it, drawing, things like that. Once again, big old Glock and SIG fanboy. I do want to get better with the platform and really like the videos. Thank you, and you enjoy and subscribe. Well, thank you for having uh, me as part of the community. I appreciate your subscribing. Uh, as far as drills go, I would just practice some presentations. So practice manipulating that safety. So establishing that grip, clearing your garment, whatever your reality is. Coming up as you're presenting, deactivating the safety, prepping that trigger, come out, find the front sight or your dot, depending on what you're shooting, and then go ahead and compress the trigger for your final presentation. So uh, those would be some drills just to kind of work on that manipulation. And then what's nice is as you do your reset, you can practice manipulating that safety as well. Then you can maybe start to add in uh, some dummy rounds to do some reloads because those are always great to do. But those would be some great skills that I would start with just to get that presentation down. So that way it is almost like at a subconscious effective level where you're manipulating that safety without even thinking about it. Yes, and there is a, an adjustment, right? There's a little bit of a transition with that, with not only the grip safety, but also the thumb safety as well. And I'm assuming you already watched the Staccato New Shooter Guide, uh, which is probably what you're referring to. But I'm going to put a note in the show notes as well once we get to that. All right, that was... Yeah, that was Night Night. All right, this one is from Dino. All right, question about possible idea for a vid. What are the real differences between bullet weights given caliber? Sounds like a no-brainer, but then you dive into it, and then there's all these common weights. Uh, does a lighter bullet equal more or less felt recoil? Powder the same. Does a heavier bullet penetrate further than a lighter one, or is the reduced uh, feet per second a thing to worry about? Again, powder the same. Barrel length have a greater effect on heavier bullets, lighter. Part of that's going to depend on twist for the rifle side. Heavier, lighter, part of it, again, is going to depend on the quality of bullet, primer pressure, caliber, all that stuff. And the best guy to talk to with that is Johan from Federal ATK. He is like literally the guru ballistics expert. I think I should schedule him to appear on the channel again. I did a video a long time ago with Johan, and we also converted that to a podcast. But those ballistics videos were nuggets of knowledge, and they don't get very many views because they're not sexy or flashy, but that guy is literally as much of a ballistics expert as there's going to be, so I'd like to have him on the show again. That uh, He would be awesome to have on the show. I'm going to catch up to comments here in just a quick second here. Let me uh, catch up to another question, and this one is from Michael P. Love the channel and the QA. Doing a great job. Nice to see you doing this full-time. Thank you very much. I appreciate the, uh, the feedback and the kind words. What suppressor do I use and why? Don't need a review. Just what do you use and prefer? Generally speaking, Dead Air. I love their mount. It is super solid. Arguably one of the best in the system. It's QD. So I'm running primarily a Dead Air Sandman K, Sandman S. I also want to check out the new Sierra 5. I'm in talks with Dead Air to try to get a, a media sample of one of those. Um, I love their Nomad Tie for the suppressors, but that being said, there's a ton of really good suppressors out there. Silencer Co., um, ASR, or Saker, yeah, Saker ASR is a good one. Surefire is really rugged and bomb-proof. However, I've seen a few Surefire, you know, gun 
get or cans get launched. Um, and I thought they had a little bit more back pressure than the dead air. The other one that I really want to check out is some of the OSS stuff. I've heard the back pressure on the OSS is absolutely amazing. Uh, so I definitely want to get one of those, but that means getting more muzzle devices and all sorts of stuff. So right now I'm pretty secure in the dead air camp, but I'll probably add a silencer code just because there's starting to be more companies that I'm working with that make ASR mounts. And then uh, I'll probably try to pick up an OSS as well at some point. So, and then there was another company out of Michigan um, that I just was told about. I can't remember the name that he didn't know the name, but he said, you should check out some of these cans. So we'll see what's going on there. All right, let's uh, go back to some comments. And this is from Anchul. Hopefully I pronounced that right. What do you think about the real Avid Master Gun Vice? I have not checked it out on person or in person, but uh, I'm going to try to check one out. They're actually a Minnesota company as well. So I'm going to maybe try to connect with them and try to highlight some of their tools and stuff. I will admit some of their stuff looks a little like futuristic for me. I'm kind of like a more rugged old school tool guy. Um, but some of their stuff looks a little futuristic. Doesn't mean it's bad or whatever, but I definitely want to check it out because it looks like it's really versatile. Their marketing guy, I used to shoot three gun with, Dustin, super good dude. So if he's with that company, I would suspect things are good because he's a good guy. So, I'm, I, but I do want to check one out. So great comment there. Uh, Russell, thanks for the stickers and patches. Very, very much appreciated uh, for making the comment. Happy to help. Is there a laser dry firing system you'd recommend? Not yet, but I do want to play around with the Mantis. And I did have a company, uh, I believe they're a Chinese dry fire company, reach out and ask me if I wanted to check out their thing. It's maybe more of a budget item. Uh, but yes, I do want to check out some more of the laser stuff. So that'll probably be a winter project, like dry fire tips for the winter, maybe airsoft training with the cert gun. Uh, stuff like that. I definitely want to do this winter to kind of talk about keeping up on your skills when it's not as nice to shoot. So great question there. Uh, this one is from Dustin. If somebody shoots at you while driving down the road, can you shoot back at them in self-defense? Honestly, man, uh, it is so tough to say without knowing more about the context. Like, are they driving? Are you driving? Was it a hunting accident? Do you know who they are? Is it safe? Like, there's so many things that we could go down that rabbit hole that would probably be really tough for me to commit to. Uh, I'm not a lawyer. I can't give you legal advice. I'm not even a practicing law enforcement officer anymore. So uh, it kind of depends, uh, depending on what state you're in, right? So do you have a duty to retreat? Is there an escape option? Uh, will other things work? So again, I, really, really tough to say. And then David, uh, Real Avid is on your bench now. So hopefully, is it good? Leave a comment below and maybe uh, Anchul can uh, check out what your thoughts are. So yeah, great. I love it when the viewers kind of interact and talk, which is just awesome. All right, before we get to the rest of our questions, oh, hang on, hang on. Neil made a shout out here. You're way too kind. No, I'm not. You know me. I'm a jerk in real life. This is just a, a mask that I wear. But uh, thanks for the shout out. See you down the road. Keep up the great work. Knowledge level and life experience offers an invaluable knowledge base. Thank you. Oh, man, seriously. Really kind words, Neil. I feel the same about you, man. Really, really good to hear from you and connect. Uh, this this kind of made my, made my day. Highlight of the show. This sip of 1919 is for you. Mm. Hashtag not sponsored, but delicious root beer. All right, let's give a shout-out to Lucky Shot. Lucky Shot is supporting this episode of the Keyway by supplying the prize. Lucky Shot makes a lot of cool, unique glassware and gift items. If you haven't... Oh. 
all sorts of cool stuff on their webpage. They have glassware. They have gifts, all with the firearms enthusiast in mind. Maybe you're looking for a gift for yourself. Maybe you're looking for a gift for that loved one, birthday present, upcoming holidays, whatever it might be. They have all sorts of really cool stuff that the firearms enthusiast is sure to like, whether it be tumblers, full-size glasses, shot glasses, other little gifts and trinkets. They have all sorts of awesome, cool stuff. Check out Lucky Shot. You can go on over to their webpage and use the coupon code shown on the screen. That is... There. Seriously, the camera settings on this app, I got to get all that figured out. Use the coupon code showed on the screen at Lucky Shot USA. Save yourself a little bit of money. It is an affiliate link, so I do get a really, really small percentage, but you guys save some good dough by using, again, that coupon code shown on the screen, which Lucky Shot, again, sponsors us. I do appreciate Lucky Shot's support. And again, that code is Guns and Tactics to save yourself some money when you make your order from Lucky Shot USA. Thank you again to Lucky Shot for supporting this episode of the QA and supplying the prize. Awesome, awesome to hear from Lucky Shot, as always, to appreciate their support. And we have some other sponsors, I believe, coming forward that are looking into future support of the show as well. So that is something to look forward to. Guys, I think we're at about an hour, and we do have a few more questions left before we give away our prize. Uh, and I don't know if we have any super chat or super thanks yet. If you have, leave a comment. But if you want to support the show, you can go ahead if you're watching on YouTube, which all of you are because that's the only thing we're streaming on right now, you can give a super chat or a super thanks. Now, in the future, by the way, the software that I'm using is going to be working with multi-stream, so we'll probably be streaming to Facebook and YouTube. But let me know, where do you guys want to watch this? Leave a comment for those of you guys that are watching. Uh, do you like the podcast format after the show? Do you like the live show on YouTube? Would you prefer it to be on Facebook? What's easier for you as a viewer to consume the content? So please, let me know. All right, back to the questions. Where were we? we we're here. There we go. Hello, Dave. Would you do a video on the best way to behave post-shooting? As a former cop, you have a unique perspective. I heard that Elijah Dickin was cuffed and detained. Can you walk us through the process? This would help us educate uh, those of us that um, are not too annoying what to expect. Your uh, text just came up on my notification there. Uh, this would help us educate those of us not knowing what to expect, all angles and reasons would be so nice so we can understand. This is a great video topic. I would love to do a post-self-defense uh, shooting scenario. That would be really, really good. Now, here's the deal. Some people have heard that. That's from John uh, via email. Some people have heard that, you know, Elijah was detained, and they were like, that's not right. That's here's the deal. You have to look at it with the officer's perspective. And there have been numerous times when I've gone to a call and the presented victim was, in fact, actually the suspect or vice versa. So sometimes we have to treat everyone suspiciously until we can verify what's going on. So normally in a chaotic situation is the scene is locked down, including people being detained. That's just kind of standard practice. Once people are detained and locked down, then we can start to put together the pieces. But our number one priority is the safety of people there, including the scene. So... Uh, we want to be sure that we are maintaining that integrity, okay? So that is, uh, that's really, really important. Hang on one sec here, guys. I just got to send a quick text to my babysitter who's actually hey, taking care of my kids. Uh, the joys of being live, the joys of being live. Anyways, 
Um, so that is the priority of the law enforcement officer is to maintain the safety of everything. And a lot of times everybody's going to be detained and things are going to be figured out. So yes, people are going to be detained. Uh, depending on the case, you might even be arrested and initially charged or whatever. So that'd be a great, great video topic idea. I love, I love that idea. All right. Um, let's talk a couple comments quick. YouTube. Good. Live on YouTube works. Good deal. Uh, do I ever teach classes in near Charlotte? I haven't been to Charlotte yet, so if you have a range and can host, you know, let's talk more. Uh, but I don't have anybody in the area that I recommend because I don't know the area. So uh, that's a good question. Uh, is the new ATF brace ban in effect? Not that I know of, but who knows? I mean, there's there's talk of this new pistol thing and the points and all that other stuff. Uh, but I, I believe the latest rule went into effect is just regarding privately made firearms, which I talked about on What's Up Wednesday, which is kind of a new series, by the way. It's where me checking in on Wednesdays, just kind of sharing what's up in the industry. I might even start to do those live just because I don't have to edit them after the fact. And then you guys can interact. I'm not sure if I'm going to do them live just yet or not, but I do like the idea of a live show because it's just, and again, another way for me to interact with you guys. But uh, yeah, so check out What's Up Wednesdays. Uh, I try to keep people current. This week on What's Up Wednesday, we're going to be talking about some new products that are coming out, uh, some pretty cool stuff actually, and you know, just a little bit about what's new and kind of the gun community, that kind of thing. Sometimes that's community, sometimes it's an industry. That's just the way it goes because sometimes people are not as nice. They're not very community-like. All right, let's check back to Mitchell. When it comes to installing a pin gas block, I've got a few questions. Well, luckily for you, Mitchell, I've got a few answers. Should the gas block be pinned in place before or after the barrel is installed in the receiver? If before, how does the gas tube get installed? Uh, what's the best jig or tool to hold the barrel and gas block while driving the pins? All right, great question. Number one, should it be installed before? Well, the barrel nut for sure should be installed first because once you pin that gas block, uh, I would just recommend leaving it in place. So first thing is barrel nut goes on the barrel then you can go ahead and pin and install the gas block. Now, I use my milling machine, which, by the way, once I hit 100K, I'm going to have a shop tour video, which is kind of showing off more of my tools, that kind of stuff. Um, but I use my milling machine, machinist vice. I kind of have a setup there to hold the barrel so I can drill and precisely, you know, taper ream that uh, pin. So I, everything goes together really nice. Although lately, a lot of gas blocks are using spring pins or uh, coil pins, which are great because you just drill a straight hole, boom, put the pin in, you're done. You don't have to worry about reaming to that taper. like those a lot. Anyways, back to your question. Uh, should it be barrel nut, then pin the gas block? Then you can install the gas tube. Uh, it's not You're not going to damage it by installing it into the upper receiver and then kind of guiding it back into the gas block. No issue whatsoever there. They do have a little bit of flex, and you're not deforming it so much where you're going to bend it or anything like that. So no, no issues whatsoever with that. Uh, what's the best jig or tool to hold the barrel and gas block while driving the pins? Um, forward controls makes... Forward Controls makes this cool little gas block tool here, which is one of my favorites. Otherwise, I do have a few others. Um, hang on, let me, here we go. Forward Controls makes this, come on camera. There we go. Forward Controls makes this really cool gas block tool. I really like this. You can put it in a vise if you want. It works really well on a bench. That's probably one of my favorite gas block tools. I do have a few others um, in the toolbox as well that I'll probably do more of a focused tool videos. Uh, this winter when I'm looking for more content to do inside, I want to do some more tool videos and that'll be on one of them. So that's really good. Uh, the Brownells gas block is pretty good if you're using with front sight bases. Otherwise just a standard armors block and bench. And then there's a few other little hacks 
as far as to hold your upper receiver to prevent it from rolling that I'll, I'll show in some future content because that's a good idea. So really, really good question. All right, let's uh, get back to the questions. And I think we're winding down. That was 16, right? Yep. And here we are. Question 17. This is from Connor via Instagram. First off, I really dig your content overall. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Appreciate all the info, particularly tabletop armor stuff. Uh, I wish there was more of an audience for all the armor stuff. I love nerding out over armor stuff, but it obviously it doesn't get as many views as some of my other videos. It's not as cool, I guess. But uh, anyways, I appreciate that. Uh, so let's answer your question. Technical preference, are you letting Loctite set at all 10 to 15 minutes after applying it on the screw before installing, torquing it down, then waiting 24 hours, or are you applying it to the screw, then torquing it down while it's still wet, then waiting your 24 hours? Some, uh, or some different variation. Very interesting to see how much variation there is and how guys choose to mount their gear. So, good question. My go-to Loctites are Loctite 222 or thread lockers. 222, 243, two... I can't remember what my high heat one is. Uh, it's the oil resistant. Hang, I'll just grab it. Hang on. All right, so my go-to thread lockers, and the 243 is actually over by the side-by-side because -side, um, I was using that for a project. For the low strength, it is the 222, which is purple. Uh, this is recommended for under, under a quarter inch, and this is uh, 222. I get it in bulk because I go through it a lot. Then I also have the 243, which is the oil-resistant. It's a little bit thicker of a blue. Now, I do use that on red dot optic screws, even though it's technically designed for fasteners over a quarter of an inch, but I like that it gives me more adhesive property so it holds those optic screws in place better. I also bed a little bit of the taper with the screw with some 243 as well because it just works really good for that. So now for the rare occasion that I do need a high temperature or high strength, I use Loctite 263, which is oil resistant. And this obviously then takes a little bit more heat to break down. Now there's a time and a place for everyone. Loctite their instructions say to apply it on the screw wet and then insert it into the fastener. They also give a little bit difference if it's a blind hole, things like that. Now, other brands like Vibratite VC3, for example, says to apply it on the screw, let it tack up or dry, and then put the screw in. I've had issues with Vibratite VC3. I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm saying I like Loctite 243 or 222 better, okay? That's just it. It's me, my, I opinion. I've had way better luck with Loctite brand 243 as an overall thread locker versus Vibratite VC3. Uh, any screws that I've had back off, it's generally been when I was trying out VC3. Sometimes it gets on too thick and tacks up and then scrapes off, blah, blah, blah. So I like 243. I apply it when it's wet, insert the screw. That's exactly what the instructions say to do. It sets and I want to say 10 minutes, fully cures in up to 24 hours. So generally speaking, I just let them sit 24 hours. So great question. And then I apply witness marks and go through that. Um, I have a video, actually, I believe, on thread lockers and stuff. I'm going to make a, a note in the show notes, so you should check that out. I have a few different videos on that, so I'll have some show note videos in there as well. It's kind of cool to be developing a library of videos that you guys can reference. So, yeah. Uh, this one is from DTOM American. What does DTOM stand for, DTOM? Tips on cleaning weapon lights? Yes. Paragon Weapon Light Cleaner works awesome. I love that stuff. If you have something really, really stubborn, you can use some flits or some toothpaste with a microfiber cloth. If it's really, really, really stubborn, you can use some WD-40 and super, 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 super 
super fine steel wool. And then you can polish that as well with either the flits or the toothpaste. Um, but generally that weapon mount light cleaner works awesome. However, an ounce of prevention is worth a ton of post madness. I don't know. I can't remember the saying, but what I do is I keep a crappy tube of mint chapstick in my range bag. Number one, why mint? Because the tube is green. And number two, mint chapstick is disgusting. Nobody would ever put that on their lips. But what I do with that is if this was the weapon mounted light, I take a little bit of that chapstick and I smear it on the light and then all of the crud sticks to the chapstick. So then at the end of my range session, I wipe it off. Now, obviously, if you're doing low light training, you don't want that haze on there, but that might work for the majority of the time. So great. Thing. That should be a two minute quick tip. I'm going to make that on the list. Two minute quick tip idea. Light stuff. I'm always looking for two minute quick tip ideas. So if you guys have come across with a really cool tip or something, a trick that you have learned, uh, please let me know what they are. And I would love to give you credit and make a quick tip about them as well. So I love it. All right. Let's see here. Bill, I usually listen to metal, which gives me motivation at the gym. But today, Dave's sultry voice is more than enough motivation. Oh, yeah. How about a segment on good ways to carry at the gym? That's a good question. Uh, the Filster Enigma is a great option. The 511 shirt thing. Uh, true story. I knew a few ER docs. Uh, who would carry with that 511 shirt holster thing because they could use it under their scrubs uh, and it was relatively easy to retain, conceal. So that might be an option. Otherwise, the Enigma from Filster works out as a really good option there. But Bill, I'm glad I could bless your workout session with my sultry voice. You know, true story, this microphone, I got this new microphone. It kind of makes me look like a DJ and I always wanted to be a radio DJ as a kid. And I kind of did some DJing and MCing uh, in the you know, a side career, if you will, as an entertainer. But what I love about this microphone is it just reminds me of that. I just want to be like, all right, we're going to check in with news, sports, traffic, and more after these messages from our sponsors. When you're listening to the best in classic rock, you're listening to 101.3, Katie, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, I always love that. I always wanted to have that radio voice on there. So that's just a little bit of me letting my hair down with you guys. So I think we are caught up on comments, and I think we are caught up on questions. We are a little over an hour, and we've had a good amount of viewers stick with us for the long haul. Let's go ahead and throw up the rules for the QA while I generate our random number generator to give away our prize. So let's take a look at the random number generator here in just a second. But you have... One prize within a 12-month period. We're trying to spread the wealth. We are uh, trying to spread that out. So please claim your prizes within 30 days. It's really, really important to us to do that. We want to make sure that you do so. Uh, and email us. If you see that you are the winner, email us. Prizes are subject to availability. It might take the sponsor a little bit. No crying or whining. Sorry, I'm taking for a little bit longer here because uh, it's taking some sweet time to load the random number generator. So here's what it's going to be, is it's going to be between uh, 1 through 17, because we had the number of QA, and then we'll pick a random comment as well. So right now between 1 and 17, our random number for the first giveaway, which is from Lucky Shot, is going to be number 14. Hopefully you guys can see that. Number 14 was this guy right here, Michael P., Number 14, you need to email me within 30 days on the favorite suppressor so we can get you your prize. And then our random comment. I'm just going to go ahead and pick a comment at random. And it is DTOM American, tips on cleaning weapon light. So DTOM, uh, send us an email. 
to the QA at gunsandtactics.com. And I have a separate prize for you. It's just a swag prize for you for the random comment. I'm working on getting more prizes for everybody. Uh, so please, 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 let's see if I can generate. No, that's not going to work either. This darn, darn email. Send me an email to the QA at gunsandtactics.com. That is the address shown on the screen if you want to see your episode on the show. Again, if you guys like the episode, please like, share, and subscribe. You can get us wherever you get your podcast. If you want to support us, you can do so via Patreon. I would genuinely appreciate any and all supporters from Patreon. And real quick, before we sign off, I did get one last question uh, from two last questions. How many times chambering the same carry round? Ideally, only one. That's a whole other video. I don't know if you're talking about handgun or rifle, but every time that round gets chambered, you do have a little bit of setback. And with rifles, there can also be um, some issues with the primers as well. But ideally, very, very minimal because every time we start to set back that round, our pressure increases, and that could be a bad thing. I did talk a little bit about that with Johan on our video there. And again, once this is published on YouTube, those Johan Ballistic videos will be linked in the description. So, uh, yeah, really good question. Paladin Hill, the best appendix inside the waistband holster for overweight folks. So here's the deal. Uh, I have a dad bod. I'm not proud of it, but I'm not embarrassed about it because it's way better than my old bod. Uh, I right now am using a Tenacore holster. I also have a QVO holster, and I have a... Uh, Dustin would tell me if he's watching. It's a Tier 1 concealment, um, kind of a placard holster on order that I don't have yet. But when it comes to appendix carry for dad bods or overweight people... I'm finding that spreading out the load of all the carry stuff really matters as well as exactly where. So I had to kind of hike my pants up a little bit and kind of move the gun around until I found a really comfortable spot. And I'll be honest, it was not comfortable at first. I kind of wanted to give up and go back to hip carry. But I'm going to do a separate video on dad bod appendix carry because I get that question a lot and it's a journey of my own discovery as well. Um, and then how do you clean ammo with mold? Why does it have mold on it? Like, seriously, what happened to it? Uh, probably just have to wipe off the exterior and be careful, but um, you should send a picture of that in. I kind of like to see that. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I would just be really careful. Use some sort of a solvent that evaporates quick, like uh, acetone or denatured alcohol, and you're probably going to have to wipe through those rounds to make sure it's good. And then Average Arms, you're in. I appreciate you checking in, man. Unfortunately, you just missed the giveaway of the random comment, but I do appreciate it. There it is, Dustin. Thank you. The Tier 1 Concealed Axis Elite is what I ordered. And the coolest part, Dustin, you'll never guess what colors I ordered those holsters in. So, yeah. You'll never guess, Dustin. Do you know what colors? It could be dark gray and green. Do they make such colors like that? Oh, yeah, they do, and that's what I ordered. So I just can't wait for it to be here. And, yes, uh, Bill, you have a Tier 1 for me to try out. I love it. Yeah, hopefully mine will be here soon. So I'm waiting my uh, waiting period time. Ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you guys have been watching with me for over an hour. This is going to be one heck of a podcast, but I think it is probably time for us to wrap up this episode. Again, have to give a huge shout out to Lucky Shot for supporting this episode. Do appreciate their support. If you're looking for a gift or an item for yourself, check out Lucky Shot and be sure to use the coupon code shown on the screen. Also, one last shout out for from them all your favorite companies are going to be there plus i'm going to be there as well as some other bigger channels but find me because i'm your favorite channel and i'll give you some swag with that i think we are getting ready to sign off ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for watching this episode of the qa i genuinely appreciate it please like share and subscribe and if you want to support the channel check us out on patreon we do have some cool stuff that's coming there thanks for watching and have a great day
I'm just taking a smiley picture right now for the thumbnail. This is what I have to do, guys. So this is a little bit of behind the scenes. I have to kind of. There we go. All right. So there's the thumbnail. And uh, yeah, I don't know what the deal is with the mic. So hopefully it's all good. All right, guys, I'm signing out. Thank you for watching. Take care.